strategy, design, marketing, UX, digital, development. This is Agencies That Build. This show is dedicated to leaders and teams that design and deploy in the digital world. My name is Jesse, and I'm a marketer and an agency owner. And I'm Varun. I'm not a marketer, but a coder and an agency partner. This show is sponsored by Together We Ship. On a mission to help agencies grow. Rock on. Here we are. Varun, my friend. It's been a couple of weeks since we chatted. So. I know. August has been pretty, pretty busy, pretty interesting from various aspects. I think it's, it's a good time to spend so much time with the family. So yes, I think everybody took off. So um, it's, it's, it's great to be back. And are the kids back doing to school it yet? Next well, week. We go late here, right? Next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, we're for those listening, we're in Massachusetts and Fred will ask you this in a minute too, maybe. Um, but the kids go back late here. I know a lot of my nieces and nephews in the middle of the country are already back. So, but all right. Are you ready for today's guest? Should we dive in? Let's do it. All right. T- data forms the backbone of the majority of entrepreneurial decisions we make from business deals to expansion. But sometimes we forget the effort that goes into managing the data itself. Today, we have someone who has expertise in analytics, and we're looking forward to this chat quite a bit. He's an experienced presenter, a teacher, has also created several online courses for newcomers. I'm happy to welcome Managing Director, GA GTM Practice Lead at Northwoods Digital, Fred Pike, to the podcast. How are you, Fred? Oh, I'm great, and I'm so excited about this. Thank, thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Varun. This is going to be cool. Yeah, we're we're happy to chat with you. We haven't, um, I know we're going to dive into a couple different areas that we haven't touched yet on the episode, but I think Varun has a question. Uh oh. So, <laughs> what do you got? Yeah. So, I want to begin with as we come close to the summer, every summer, you know, we try to, so as everybody, spend so much time with the family, do a lot of travel. But at the end of the day, I always ask my team, my family, everybody around me, what is the one thing that you learn from this experience? So what was your most memorable event or how would you describe how the summer has been? I'll start with mine so you get some time to think about yours. Like, what would you describe? So for us, the summer has been, the word that comes to mind is hiking or family hiking. We did so many mountains together as a family. My five-year-old and nine-year, they did their first 4,000-footer mountain. Wow. Um, it's a called Mount Cannon in New Hampshire last week. Super proud, so impressed by the way they handled it. So I'm so happy that we could enjoy the summer outdoors, you know, with our kids. So that that's been my theme for the for the summer. What about you, Jesse? What do you have? Mine actually happened last week and we were just talking about it before we started the episode. So outside of getting the dog who you will see running around in the background here, my daughter started walking. So uh, she's 14 months last week. And so that was, yeah, mom and dad cried a little bit because we were just so excited to see it and happy to see it. So that was, and now she just woke up one day and was like, yep, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to go. And I was like, oh crap, we got a baby proof. <laughs> <laughs> So, but that was, that for me was like one of those moments that you just look forward to and you're waiting and she just woke up and was like, I'm good. Let's walk. Holy cannoli. Let's, this is amazing. So, all right, Fred, what do you got? 
Jesse, nothing beats a kid's first week walking. Holy cow. So it's it's not fair that I have to follow that. But oh, sorry. No, <laughs> no, no, that's fine. It's that is so exciting, Jesse. That is so cool. Um, so a year ago, we got solar panels installed and actually they went live. We got uh, the, the solar panels and the Tesla battery for the to supply power when, you know, we have when we lose power, basically. And ever since then, I've been thinking, I, I really want an electric car. I mean, the last car I bought five years ago, I looked at a Tesla really closely, but I didn't buy it. And the, this time around, I'm thinking, all right, we've got the solar panels. I hate paying these gas prices. I hate subsidizing Saudi Arabia. So I got uh, an electric car 10 days ago now and took the first road trip this weekend. And so, so the learning experience is, where am I going to charge this? And what is going mm -hmm. to be involved with that? And how am I going to worry about range? Because I, I got the Lexus, which I absolutely love, but it sucks on range. It's really on the low end of, of the range. And so we stopped at, at one place in Madison on our on our trip. And it took me a while to figure out the charger. It like it took me 20 minutes to figure that out. And the hotel that we were staying at that night, I had called and they said, Oh no, we have we have no charging. There's nothing in town. We have no outside power or anything. I'm thinking, oh damn. So I got there and of course I found an outside outlet and I was able to plug in and and we were there for a couple of days and and I got to 100 percent it was just fine. But it, but I'm going to be thinking differently about trips now. And I'm so glad I have the electric car, but it does change how you think about trips and and how you have to plan that. So just beginning. It's interesting. My dad got one too. And he had a similar experience. He like, you know, they live about an hour away. And he was like, I don't know if I'm comfortable driving up to you guys. I'm like, dude, there's so many power outlets up here. You'll be fine. Like, you'll be fine. Even if there are power outlets, it's like long line. Like, you know, a lot of people have cars now and you need to wait until, you know, you get space oh. to do that. So until, until we come up with the technology that allows you to replace the batteries like just you know take your old battery out get the new one in so get it very quickly that's the way to go um or hamster wheels inside that like powers <laughs> as you go you know like, yeah that's why yeah. you have hybrid so plug in uh, hybrid yeah. would be something. this is i'm cutting us off because i know i know this group we could talk about this forever um, <laughs> we could because so i love to plug I'm, in hybrids <laughs> <laughs> whole other conversation whole other right. podcast all right so let's let's dive in um, let's dive into our myth busting question. What's some sort of bogus myth, uh, misconception, strategy, uh, bogus strategy? I said that odd. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you got? What do you got that you want to clear the air about and set the record straight on? Yeah. So actually this was one that I struggled with, but, um, and I, I went from personal things to, to business things. And I ended up going with a business one and that I, almost all the work I do is around Google tag manager. And um, I noticed, Jesse, when you said, when you read GTM, you went with go to market, which is what a lot of marketers think for GTM, you know, but it, but in my world, it's Google Tag Manager. So when, when, when GTM, Google Tag Manager first came out, it was like, any marketer can do this. You don't need a dev staff anymore. You can install your own marketing snippets. You can do all the work. And while that's kind of true, oh my God, that, that can be so dangerous because if you don't know what you're doing in Google Tag Manager, you can you can be really duplicative. You can break things. If you're not aware of what other people have done, you can cause the the page load to to be really slow. You can you can wreak havoc, or you can just do things really crappily in Google Tag Manager. So this myth that anybody can do it, while technically true, it's really not a good idea. 
So that's that's my contribution. I feel like now I have so many questions because there was a there's a client that I've been spending a ton of time with trying to figure it out. And actually, like Varun's team has been working with me, and I'm like, guys, I just need you to hold my hands. Tell me what the heck I'm doing in here so I don't screw it up. That that's all. I, I want to dive into that a little bit. And I did assume it was GTM go to market. I probably should have asked you that at the beginning. So thank you for for you know it was like one of those practice lead. I just yeah, that's where you go. Before we get into the topics yeah. of the GTM and how and why, I, I I want I'm curious to know to learn the idea behind starting this practice and you leading this role, like you being in, you know one of the leaders in the agency, and you like maybe describe us a little bit about how you came about this need for having a practice around GTM. And how does your background fit in this? How are you into this? So how you got into this role? Yeah, Varun, that's a great question. So um, that's not what I was doing initially at all. So earlier on in my career, I was a software developer. So that's that's kind of my background. That's kind of my mindset in general. But I also have an MBA in finance. And in this agency, where I'm one of three partners, I was the I am the CFO. And so I was working on the, all the financials and and modeling and all that that type of stuff. But um, we are we build websites, and so I was interested in that as well. And one of the things that we do that we preached about to our clients was analytics and and measuring user interactions, meaningful user interactions on the website. So I I took a course in 2015 on CRO on conversion rate optimization. So I thought you know that that would be that's related to finance to some extent. It's, at least it's numbers oriented. And what I realized in that course is that while I thought I knew Google Analytics, I didn't know squat. So from that course, I, I signed up for a Google Analytics course. And again, this is all this is all quantitative. So it fits in with my mindset. So I signed up for the GA course with uh, Jeff Sauer and took that and it just revolutionized my, my world. I then took a Google Tag Manager class from uh, Julian Joenemann at Measure School, which was fabulous. And those things just started to feed my passion. They were emotionally. So I was intellectually curious about them and it fed that intellectual curiosity. It fed an emotional satisfaction of really learning and diving into this. And it made sense to apply it to our clients as well. So the more I dove into GA and GTM, the more I realized we should be doing this for our clients they need to be doing this. They need to understand what's happening with their website. They need to be tracking the meaningful user interactions. And so it just grew into, into a practice eventually. And it was just because, damn, it's so interesting. It it was so, so much fun to do. And that's how I kind of got into it. <laughs> I Quick question on that, because I've looked at Personally, it's something my brain doesn't think that way. And so when you, you know, for me, thinking about data and analytics, I've had to force myself to learn and understand and really appreciate, you know, how that works. I know there's a better description to that, but I've looked at all kinds of different courses for Google and just in analytics in general, because it's not something they taught in school um, right. back in the day. And when you're looking for a course that satisfies the curiosity, are people looking, what's the right terminology to use? Is it basics? Is it beginning? What's the, you know, is it, do you recommend somebody you know, as as we're trying to expand what what we're offering within agencies and expand kind of our curiosities behind this, but is that the right place to start? Is with Google Analytics, you know, or GA four obviously is the one to to 
focus on, or do you recommend another topic? That is also a great question. The the what you're trying to get at, of course, is figuring out how people are interacting with your website. I mean, that's that's the purpose all of all this stuff. I'm not aware of a course that really focuses on that except through the lens of GA4 or or Adobe Analytics or, or Matomo or whatever. So I, I think that's the way you approach it. And I think you go in at, at an intro or beginner level course and you have to understand in, in, in all those analytics packages, you have to understand the structure of the analytics because it's how they record what's happening on the website. So I think if you understand that and, and GA4 has what's called an event-driven model, which to me, it's, that's how we approach the world. And we can go into that if you want. But but yeah, so I, th I think you you go with a course that is intro that describes the model that's being used to capture that information and talks about what's the type of information you should be tracking. And that's a big part of like uh, Julius says at Analytics Mania, Jeff's at Data Driven You. They really think about the business, what you're trying to track from a business perspective first, and then how do you do that through GA? Yeah, um, that that makes sense. I think that's very helpful because I also personally struggle with where to begin. And that's why I think this question is great for many people to get them started, especially, you know, from you, or if you have done this and you are you are doing it at a level where you are running the whole practice. And it's not only, I mean, it sounds like it's your personal interest, but also it's adding a lot of business value to your clients and um, and customers as well. So how how big is your team for who just just the analytics part of it? Well, so so everybody that's on the digital marketing team, we've got twelve people or so on that side. Um, does analytics to some level or another, and does Google Tag Manager to some level or another? Because um, it, it's kind of the baseline. I mean, if we have people who specialize in in Google in ads, basically in paid ads, we have people who specialize in SEO. But analytics and GTM is kind of the Google Tag Manager is kind of the baseline for all those things. So everybody does it here. So who would you describe would be an ideal customer that would want to use this as you know um, a service offering? Because we work with so many agencies. There are so many agencies we speak to. This is the first time we are hearing that you have, you know, GA4, GTM as a practice and offer just that to all your customers along with the other things that you do. And you are heading that division. I mean, we've seen digital marketing managers leading that as a part of their role that they have to, you know, know and understand how Google Analytics work in general. But you are taking it to a level where it's, you know, um, you, you, you are like positioned as a specialist for that. So how do you lead that? So when in your client acquisition process, do you lead that with, with Google, you know, with, with analytics, or that comes as a complement to your other services? How do you structure the offering when you talk to the clients? Sometimes we lead with that if, if that's how the request came in. And, and certainly, as the world made the transition from universal analytics to GA4, we got a lot of you know, requests coming in for analytics. So, so we would lead that way. I would say we typically wouldn't lead uh, a new client discovery through an analytics process. Um, it's usually the way we would typically approach a new client is through some type of strategy, trying to understand what, what they're trying to do with the website and how they're 
Are they measuring how effective their plan is with the website? And the measuring portion, of course, is what leads into the GAGTM side. So that gets wrapped in. But but our first thing is, okay, what are you trying to do with the website? How can we help you do that better? Is it working? Are there are there things that that we can help you improve? Are there things you can improve? So that that's how we would approach it. And and in your prep call, you also talked about how you use the data, not only for the website, but in general, since you have the finance background. I'm curious to know and, and hear from you how you apply those learnings in, um, in, in, in the operating your business. So like, how do you use the, your, your data experience and make sure you are taking the right decisions for the business? I mean, taking and pivoting from the analytics to more on the business side. So sure. um, if you can talk to you about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the, um, yeah, and the analytics side is, a, as you said, isn't involved with that at all. The, on the business side, I, I think the thing that's really important that, is, that has helped me and the companies I've been involved with um, over the years has been a, a model of the business. And so it's not the business model, it's a model of the business. And by that, I mean, who are the people that you have on staff? What are, what are the types of revenues that you expect them to, to deliver? What are the services you're going to be providing? Which ones are going to be growing? Are you going to be adding people? Are you going to be potentially downsizing? Are you going to have different level? And typically we look at different levels, up to three different levels of, of growth. So, you know, a, a small, moderate, explosive or whatever, not, not explosive, but high. And so all that is in, it's, it's ultimately in a spreadsheet, but it's a pretty sophisticated spreadsheet. And you can really figure out what is your business going to look like 12 to 18 months out in terms of revenue, in terms of expenses, in terms of practice areas. Um, and, and that to me has just been so helpful, so eye-opening over the years, because we if we look at adding adding new staff, for example, all right, so how long is it going to take them to come up to speed? What are we going to pay them? When are they going to start paying? How, when are they going to start producing revenue? How quickly will they ramp up? All that is reflected in the in the model of the business. And we get a sense, okay, yeah, it makes sense that we can do this. It may hit profitability for three months, but then then it it's going to improve over six to nine, 12 months and moving forward. So I think I think having that and it, it's it's a pain to develop. And I've never found a really good forecast. It's basically a forecasting tool. I've never found a really great forecasting tool that has fit a professional services um, business like the ones I've been involved with. And you would think there'd be something like that out there, but I never found one. And so I, I developed it internally. Well, tools would be as as good as the data, right? I mean, Forecasting for service businesses has been a challenge unless you have a model where you have recurring business. I mean, so or clients who, who have the recurring um, you know, revenue streams. Sure. Because like, so, so we are also in digital space. So we do custom software dev as well, but most of the clients are, you know, we build a product in three to six months and they're done. Like, yes, there are support and maintenance things, but you cannot predict your business growth based on just support and maintenance contract unless you have a business who which is solely focused on support and maintenance then you know 
that this is the revenue I'll generate from that, and then this is the team we need. But when you are working on you know, custom software solutions type work, it is hard to forecast. You don't know, I mean, you can predict from your pipeline, like, all right, we got 100 leads from that, we can have certain percentage um, of conversions, but still it, it has been a challenge. So I wonder how do you solve that and how, how, accurate, how accurately are you able to predict or forecast your you know, business growth in the next few months? Yeah, Varun, uh, great question too. So, so the what the model of the business doesn't do is address the sales side. So it's going to tell us if we're if we're going to um, hire three more people or three more software jobs or whatever, this is the type of revenue you expect them to develop. And and so you've got on the other side, you've got to be thinking, all right, why would I want to hire those people? What's the thinking behind that? And we also look at the salespeople we have, the, the type of uh, revenue that we expect them to drive, shortfalls between the staff that we have to deliver services versus the salespeople we have to sell that amount of services. So I, it, it doesn't solve the, we have a six month, we have, you know, six month software dev projects. Where is the next one going to come from? That's really, to some extent, more of a sales marketing side. What I'm looking at is, do, can we support that? Do we need to hire people to support that? What is our plan for growing that overall? If that if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not a it's not a pipeline problem, a sales pipeline problem that you can solve. It's a, how do we ensure that we have the right? It's a revenue delivery, right? The way you know so. Um, yeah, and Varun, we have a software uh, dev component to our to our company also, and so I understand that. And you know, the three to six month projects, where is the next one coming from? And and I'll tell you, um, we just finished a large one in like January of this year that had gone on for months and months and months, and we we overhired for it, so we're paying for that now. And we should have been, we should have, we didn't think it would fall off the cliff quite so quickly. <laughs> so it doesn't guarantee success, but but. Um, I think it 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 makes me feel better about where the business could be going. And you know, if if regardless of the sales pipeline, if you're looking at the business and you can't see any way with the staff that you've got and the services that you're offering that you're going to be profitable, it's like, all right, what's wrong here? What do you have to do to get to a level of profitability? And that's what the model of the business can do, can tell you, can you be profitable? And what does it take to be profitable? And if you can't, then you've got some other hard decisions to to make. Well, it's also, you know, talking with agencies, everybody, I mean, profit's obviously a major goal, but it what does that look like? And what does success look like for your growth trajectory? We have some agencies that are just focused on maintain versus, you know, the hockey stick situation. Um, you mentioned something a minute ago, and I want to ask what you do about that. You know, the overstaffing or the over, what, you know, over, over hiring or the, the abundance of um, ability to produce something without the clientele to produce it. What do you do in those situations? You know, do you to have them work on other projects that benefit the business? You know, how do you guys solve the need Keep to busy and not not even just the busy, but also make it make, beneficial and make sure that they are still motivated, right, to stay in the mm -hmm. company because people. Like, you know, knowledge workers these days want to be, you know, utilized. They don't want to right. be on the bench all the time, right. right? So how do you make sure that they are enjoying their time with your firm? 
Yeah, so the way we do that, and and you do have to keep them engaged and working on something that that is interesting to them. Otherwise, they obviously they can they can walk, and in some cases maybe that's good, but but we, you know we'd rather control that. Um, so what we're going through right now is is really looking at all right, do we do we want to keep everybody on staff that we hired for this, and and it's not just primarily we're looking at juniors because we did we did grow an, an intern program this last year, and that's um, that's been really slow in in getting to fruition basically, and we're we're thinking do we really want to keep investing in that or not? So that's so that's one thing. Um, the way we're keeping. The way we're keeping people busy right now is on is on internal projects, and we have a few um, skunk works type things that that we've been meaning to work on for a while. So we're we're happy to invest in them, um, and and that that's it's a combination of of the skunk works and of also getting them to continue learning and be able to work in some with some advanced skills when when more work comes along but it, it it's a balancing act i mean we don't want people to be they don't want to be sitting around on on not on a project and we don't want them to be sitting around not on a project for very long either so it's um it's a tough it's a tough thing to balance it's that the internal skills enhancement that a lot of you know companies companies usually have that built in into you know when you're client side when you're working internally, it's like, oh, spend half, you know, an afternoon enhancing your skills or learning something new. But it's hard in an agency because the revenue model is different, as we kind of talked about earlier. So yeah. it's like people sitting on their booties doing nothing. It's like, okay, you're feeling the money tick away um, in some cases, depending on how your org is set up. But it sounds like, you know, interns aside, because that's a whole nother right. a, a big fat can of worms that we could talk about. It It sounds like there's you know, some, it's keeping your key players engaged. And if somebody walks, somebody walks, you know, I, I would say would be the recommendation that we're hearing from you guys. So one thing that we have started doing in our company, but not, well, so not only that, we've also started hearing a lot from other agencies based in North America. I mean, we, our team is mostly offshore, but so I can see the difference uh, in the in the approach, but even in in here, North American companies have seen what they started doing was like not giving them. So just to keep them busy, you can start offering you know discounted price or reduced hourly rates for your services, but that's really frowned upon most of the time. People don't like to compromise on the price. One thing that I have started seeing a lot and hearing from, from many agencies, so I was surprised to hear that, that because in this economy, at least when a lot of, there is dearth of work, there's not many companies who are hiring agencies, but so there's a demand that I'm seeing in offering services in pro bono basis. So you are not giving for free, but a lot of people are offering you know, partnerships and collaboration on on a, on a pro bono basis, which is not really discounted price. You're asking for the full money, but at least you are giving the client confidence in, you know, hire us, work with us, and then, you know, next stage or depending on the success of the, like you're taking a risk with the client, which is again, could be very risky, but again, depending on the client to client, on agency to agency. So I don't know if you, 
what's your take on that? Have you ever experienced that? Have you done that or? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, We are starting a pro bono project this week, but it's for, I'm the president of the Milwaukee Mandolin Orchestra, and and we're starting a related project that the the orchestra has been looking at for a while. And so I brought it internally because we do have some availability, and it is going to advance the skills of, of the developer that's going to be on that project. Um, that's not something that we that we typically would do, and I and I I I wouldn't say we're out there looking for pro bono work or or even thinking about offering it. But but this week we <laughs> we are we are starting a project. Good timing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, a lot of the ag- agencies we talk to have passion projects involved. You know, there's quite a few, and especially I think in the past five years in particular, people are leaning into this you know, cause marketing is one way to describe it, but even just feeling good about the work you're doing and be able to take those skills and apply it to other things that, you know, cause we're all yeah. human. So I, I like that term passion projects. That's good. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, um, here's a personal story and then I'm going to pivot our question. You know, one of the things we get asked all the time, you know, around Christmas time or the holidays, people ask, Oh, will you make a donation? Will you make a donation? And you know, it, it gives you all the feels and it's like, well, how do we get our arms around being able to say no to people when we've already dedicated money to other resources? And I think, you know, and so in our family, we support uh, three organizations. We support the elephants. We support, uh, two they're all animal based so we support elephants at sheldrick wildlife trust we support um stand up for pits foundation because we always adopt pit bulls and then we recently rescued a bunny that's a whole nother story it it went to a rescue the dog was nosing it we didn't want it so but there's a local organization who's looking for donations it's like oh i guess you know new house wildlife rescue you know who saved the bunny so it was like okay so we've made a decision and it, it's the same applies to business that's conscious like these are the things that we support within yeah. our family so when i say no to somebody else i'm okay with it because i've already made those decisions up you know up front and so when it comes to business and things like that that's how we've structured it when i've run various marketing teams within organizations what are the things that fit into the mission vision values of the organization or the agency that you're then going to support in terms of those passion projects and where you're going to spend the time, energy, and money in some cases. So um, I want to pivot for a quick minute. Sure. Um, I want to ask you about the project, you know, the practice lead role, um, because it's not something you always see within agencies or a lot of the agencies we talk to. And I think it's a really unique, you know, you as an expert in GA and GTM, Google, I think it's a unique role for you within your organization. How did you guys decide that that was the right direction to take with your expertise there? And then how do you market that, you know, to be beneficial? So um, I, I'm, I wouldn't say that we actually planned this. It, it, it grew organically from really my interests. And, and that is not unusual at, at Northwood. So we encourage people to, if they if they are really interested in something, to develop that. And we had a, a person who is very passionate about WordPress, for example. So he actually took the ball, and and we now have a WordPress practice. And I mean, we he vetted it with us, and and we agreed ultimately with it. But it was his passion that was driving that. Um, and I'd say that's that's the same way with the the GAGTM side, and and the the way we 
I think the way we sell it, I, it's not like we're doing it overtly, but when, I, when I'm on a call with a client, I'm talking about these are the things that you should be looking for. These are the things you want to be aware of. It's unlikely that any other agency that they're talking to uh, or that most other agencies that they're talking to have brought up those same points. And so many times we win business because we're talking about things that no one else has ever talked about to that to that client. And so that that speaks to the level of expertise that we have in that in that realm. And that's not just with GAGTM. I, th I think you know we see that in some of the other areas as well. But certainly the the area that I'm most involved with, the GAGTM side, that's that's often the case. How long did it take you to do that? Like you said, it, it grew organically, but you didn't have a plan that you want to do that. So you saw a need, you saw that this is something growing up and could have a potential to, to become big. What was the time horizon that it took you to, you know, take like one person to, I don't know how big you're, like you said, all the digital marketing team is doing that now. So you are, what, what percentage of the business is from this revenue stream? Oh, you're making him think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't we don't really break it out that that way, but I would I would guess it's um, maybe seven eight percent something like that is is related to that. I mean, it's it's hard to break out because yeah, and you are making me think, which is really unfair. I barely had my coffee, but <laughs> <laughs> um, because GHGTM is usually part of other projects, so it, it there are times where it's a discrete sale of a project but you know we're it's usually involved with with much larger um much larger strategy or much larger projects it's an interesting way to organize kind of the expertise within an agency now that you know after i asked a question i thought about it for a hot minute and it was an agency i worked at i was hired specifically to be like a content marketing in a lot of way practice lead you know mm -hmm. without using those words and i think you know, an interesting, it sounds like you guys have your organization organized. Um, and I'm thinking as I'm saying this out loud within these aligned with seniority expertise that then trickles down through the organization to create. I'm going to assume it's like a succession planning or training or mentoring kind yes. of mentality behind it. Is that yeah. that was done purposefully in those cases? You know, we've talked to agencies, all shapes and sizes. Some people are pretty flat in terms of expertise. They come in, everyone's a, a senior person. They're not interested in this mentoring and growing and education piece. And that's great. It sounds like you guys are the opposite. It's much more of you're built to be able to kind of mentor, grow, and especially with some of your personal experience around teaching. Am I guessing correctly there? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, there's a lot of mentoring that goes on in, on our digital team and, and, um, the I do a lot of mentoring on the GAGTM side, but our our strategy person, our SEO person, the the ads person that leads up leads up that group, we are very much a learning organization, very much a mentoring organization, and all of us have, you know, skills across have some level of expertise across all those skills. But all of us go deep into one or two areas. So as I said, everybody has GAGTM skills. But some people go deeper in ads, some people go deeper in SEO, some people go deeper in, in strategy or whatever. So, Well, and I like the way that you described it. There was a team member who was interested in an area and the agency supported him growing that into a practice as well. You know, so that says a lot about 
the ability to kind of explore and grow from that perspective and leaning into some of the education components that you're you're talking about. Right, right. Um, yeah, we the people who've been successful at Northwoods have have ultimately been driven by a passion to do something specific within within Northwoods. Um, and now I wouldn't not everybody has done that, of course, and they've been successful here, too. But but the the people who have really risen um, who are in leadership positions now have all had that type of passion Have all seen, oh, you know, it'd be really cool if we did this and really help develop it. Yeah, curiosity satiated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm also curious to know more about, so this is, this again comes up so much in our conversations on the ideal, the right fit customer, right? How do you define your ideal customer and how do you approach it? Because sales has been, you know, talk of the town these days. Everybody is talking about what is your sales strategy? What are you doing to generate leads? And the first thing that comes up is like to do anything in the sales it's about you know making sure your positioning is right you are reaching the right audience so for you how do you think about that how do you approach it what are you doing to make sure your positioning is strong and uh, that other agencies owners can learn from that yeah so i think the the way the way we try to grow um and attract new clients is through thought leadership and we do that through a couple of things one is through blog posts um we're, we're we're fairly active in writing things there and and they're around many many different digital marketing strategies or aspects and the other thing is through through our webinars we've always had a strong series of webinars we have even now two a month that we put on most of them around digital marketing of some sort sometimes around software but almost all of them around digital marketing there's a I'll be doing a GA1 in October for example and so so it's the thought leadership that that we try to present out there that we're hoping will bring in clients now much of our work is from existing clients but we do get a fair amount of new new business each year and our our ideal client is we're pretty broad horizontal we're, we're we do a lot of manufacturing but we have a lot of financial we have a lot of um, healthcare clients as well and our ideal client is they usually have some level of digital marketing staff so it's rare that that they don't have anybody and we are primarily supplementing them and helping them in their day-to-day -day job many of the, our clients don't have the level for example they don't have the level of expertise in ga that we do so we help them with that it could be the same thing with seo it could be the same thing with ads but but i'd say most of our clients do have pretty good digital marketers on staff and we really we really just increase their skills i and and that is kind of a, a sweet spot client for us well fred this has been a, a great chat and uh, I am like, as we're chatting, I'm sure you can, I'm like Googling these GA courses. I'm like, I need to go learn more about those. <laughs> but um, let me ask you one last question. We ask all our guests, what's, uh, what are you looking forward to in the future? What's, what's exciting you about the future? What's exciting me about the future is continuing to, to learn. But what's really exciting me right now is, and, and this is, I mean, it's exciting in the whole world, but the, the whole, uh, the whole chat GPT stuff is just the way I'm using it now it is it is extending my ability to do things so greatly I I'm just I'm 
80% amazed and 20% frustrated as hell because it, it, it can be obtuse. It can be, it doesn't remember context very well, but it's helping me um, expand SQL queries, which I'm, I'm not good at SQL. It's helping me even doing some Google Tag Manager stuff. Um, having it as like a trusted advisor almost, as long as you feed it the right questions, it'll come back with, with usually some really good advice and sometimes not very good advice. And so I, I'm so excited about learning this whole area and how it can, I think it's, it's improving my efficiency 20, 25%, 25% is probably too much, 20% any rate. And that just has me jazzed. It's like, holy cow. And I, I feel like I'm barely scratching the surface of using it, but it's like, it's amazing, I think. <laughs> yeah. Great use of ChatGPT I used recently. I ran out, so I, every night I put my kids to bed and I usually come up with my own stories to tell them stories, right? So I read the book, so I stopped reading book. Now I'm running out of ideas, so I asked ChatGPT, give me a story about mm -hmm. dash, 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 where my, my, my son's name, like and I use his name, He's the character, and I want to teach him the lessons of bravery and 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 being kind. So it gives me a really good story about you know involved dinosaurs, you know prehistoric time where he is a hero, and then he's listening to me reading. To, you know, again, I didn't do anything; I just used the prompts to craft me a story. So that's the best use that I found most recently that I absolutely love. That's awesome! I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Meal planning is another one. You know, if you have, I read this someplace, dietary restrictions on various things and all of that, you can use that to prompt and then it'll create you a shopping list. Wow. So there's a, yeah. Oh man, we should have yeah. asked AI earlier, but <laughs> that's always a good one. Well, Fred, this has been, this has been a great chat. Thank you so much for, for your time today. My and pleasure. It's Wonderful to talk to both of you, man. I love this. Good. Well, so places where folks can find you, you're on the LinkedIn, Fred Pike, and then uh, www.nwsdigital.com is yes. uh, your website. So, yeah. and uh, that's it. So if you learned something today or laughed, please tell somebody about the podcast. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks for listening. Find our other episodes on agencies.build.com. Plus we're listed anywhere you find your favorite podcast.